0: wonderful to be with you today. It was a delight to uh, be at the Harvest Festival with many of you yesterday, and uh, do want to express appreciation. I know that you've already applauded them for their their labors, but uh, the Heidegger Schultzers <laughs> they did a lot of work and and put together a wonderful thing. Sandy the the uh, uh, Hayride is always a, a real special experience, but I thought it was an outstanding uh, topic and wonderful thing to do. And thank you all for participating and and uh, putting those things on for the church body. It's wonderful to see the children uh, having those delightful smiles and good time on their faces in these times. It was uh, it was just a great time, and I I, I didn't get the measurement on the. The uh, Urban's last egg toss, but man, that was, that was uh, some distance there that, that they got to. and So it was a, a delightful time. Thank you all for, for uh, the church body. It's, it's a wonderful thing what God uh, does and is doing through our church body, and uh, we're very blessed. Well, let's uh, let me have a word of prayer, and uh, this this morning is is our communion service. Uh, so we want to prepare our hearts and direct our attention to the Lord Jesus, and uh, we are going to celebrate and remember His work on the cross of Calvary for us, uh, and we will remember with special attention until He returns this morning. And uh, and just Maranatha, Lord. Lord, come. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your wonderful grace in Jesus Christ to your people. We're blessed, Lord God, uh, to, uh, to be uh, filled with your goodness and mercies and your spirit, the spirit of our Lord Jesus, as we uh, worship together and live together and serve one another and love one another. Uh, we pray, uh, Lord God, for, for your hand of blessing upon our church body. Uh, we thank you, Lord God, that, uh, that we could be here this morning. We always, uh, Lord, are mindful uh, that we have brothers and sisters that are under uh, great persecution and hardship, uh, sometimes unable to meet in a public place in many places in the world today. And we pray for them. Uh, And we acknowledge the blessing that you have given to us to be able to be here together and worship you freely. We ask, Lord, that your spirit would be with us as we look into your word and we have some thoughts and give our attention to meditation on those things that you would speak to us this morning through your word. And, God, we uh, thank you for your goodness and we ask that you... Uh, would bless us now. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> I knew that, that when I got in the hay yesterday that I was going to have trouble this morning so pray, pray uh, that the Lord will, will give me a clear voice for you. But uh, uh, I want to speak to you uh, about uh, kind of a topic that we've addressed out of the book of Romans. It's Topical this morning, so I won't go back to Romans chapter six until uh, next week, uh, by Lord willing. And um, but uh, I, I want to address this issue of uh, the establishing of the law in the life of the believer. Uh, and you know, there's just so much that said. Uh, where then is boasting? Um, is it? Uh, um, <clears throat> There is no boasting. Uh, our boast is in uh, the, uh, that which fulfills the law, which is our faith in our Savior, faith in the one that saves us. And there's the establishment of the law uh, in the issue where God, uh, through and in and through us, does a miraculous work, uh, a work in sanctification and and it brings about the the fulfillment or the completion of the law, <clears throat> but by way of illustration here, uh, take someone who is is untutored and place them in the highest circles of society. Someone that's blue collar, uh, someone that, that that doesn't know uh, the the particular behaviors of of particular groups and. And this is um, a thing that I found going overseas. There, there were certain things that uh, that was offensive. Um, like in Moldova, if you didn't shake the hands of, of everyone in the room, they were offended. Uh, it was offensive to them. And so, you know, I mean, we just we, we'd come in and shake somebody's hand and, and say kind of a, a general greeting and and go on. But but there's there are certain um, things that, that, uh, that make it difficult in different circles and different places uh, that we go uh, but if we're filled with the fruit of God's spirit, if we're filled with love and the spirit of Jesus Christ and we simply exercise courtesy um, then you can mingle with, <coughs> with all kinds of groups and do well uh, because that's the nature of what, what Christ is, and who he is, and what he has done for us. Um, your, your body language communicates no judgment. Uh, your voice inflection tunes the ear to that genuine kindness. Uh, gentleness and peace radiates from eye contact. They communicate that Jesus Christ is real and that his spirit is <clears throat> is present in this very place and it's powerful it's witnessing it's it is uh, it is the the very expression of what Christ called us to I am the vine and you are the branches and he, and he spoke of the Holy Spirit through God's people expressing those fruit of God's Spirit love and, and actual compassion for others uh, through us, and these are hugely significant uh, things for us to to bear in mind when we speak about the fulfillment of the law for the believer. Because uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding in regard to the to the law and what it means to to for the believer to try to keep the law uh, or not keep the law. And uh, and there's you know as the pendulum swings, it's 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 bad on both sides. Uh, so, uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, believers can go many years in their, their life with this confusion about the fulfillment of the law, what it means to establish God's law in our lives because Romans, he says, it, it's the establishment of the law uh, that is the goal and the intention uh, of, of Jesus Christ's redemption It establishes the very expression of God's holiness and righteousness and goodness and the fruit of the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ. We beheld Him, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that's what we need as God's people. We need to be full of grace and truth as we uh, minister and witness to others. Um, And that's that's simply a matter of, of God doing in and through us what we can't do by the strength and the energy of the law. Okay? So with that introduction, let's let's look uh, then at a couple of things here. First of all, it's through faith that we establish the law in our lives. Okay? You you want to to embrace uh, God's standards, what He gave to us in the Scripture, uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, and and other commandments that are given in Scripture. We want to embrace those things. The Scripture tells us that it's through faith. So we look at, at Romans 3 just for review here. These are, are, are some of the verses that we looked in at. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Why would boasting be exclude, excluded here? Because boasting... It directs to the attention of man to deal with the problem of sin, deal with the problem of evil. But what kind of by what kind of law is it the law of works? Paul said. No, but by the law or a law of faith. by the law of faith. okay, So what is the law of faith? and and we we looked at this term and where it then is boasting. We go to chapter five, and it says that we boast in the glory of God. Well, what does that mean? It means that it is the power and the glory of God. We go back to Romans chapter 1 and it says, um, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So the glory of God and the power of God has to do with the, the reality and the truth that God is our Savior, that Jesus Christ has done in and through us with a transformational change in the inner person what we could not do by trying to hold on to the law. And that's basically what the, the, the um, apostles had to say in, in Acts chapter 15 when Paul came and they addressed the issue of the law. They said, we could not keep the law, why would we impose it upon the Gentiles? What does that mean? Does that mean that that Peter there was saying, or James, that we're going to throw uh, that law out, that God's law, the 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 uh, the truth of who, who His righteousness and the things that He revealed about His holiness and those characteristics of God? It doesn't mean that at all. But it doesn't mean that by the law and and the the apostles uh, in the Scripture, it's made very clear that it's not by. Man's boasting in his own ability, in his own wisdom, in his own power to do what man cannot do. God, uh, in through Christ Jesus, in the sending of his Holy Spirit to indwell the believer, is empowering us for salvation. That's why it's complete and utter dependence. And, and believers that really know the walk, they cast themselves Upon the salvation that Jesus Christ has worked, and it's supernatural, the boast is in the power of God. the boast is in the glory of God, who created all things and is able to do anything, and He's God over all flesh and and so sanctification involves this very wonderful concept and principle. And, and then we read on, uh, do we then nullify or abolish the idea of abolishing or causing it to cease or bringing it to nothing or making it void, the law through faith? Well, may it never be, Paul says, on the contrary, we establish the law. So if if the, the law is established uh, in our life, we, we haven't abolished it, but we're not uh, uh, under the law, we're no longer under the law. We're now under what the what we've learned is grace. We're under grace, under the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? But that Jesus is my Savior. He's the one that is is delivering me, and it's to the glory of God. And there's no boasting. Uh, so uh, many passages in Scripture address this grace, and it's just astounding that that we as believers. Uh, so often miss that that wonderful truth that God has given to us. Um, And I I think of, um, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Does that just mean in justification, or does it mean in sanctification as well? It means in sanctification as well. But the point for the believer is that we have access into this grace, that we have access into the power of God, that we have access into his mercies to us as our Savior. And so what do we need most of all but to look to the Lord Jesus, to see him and to know him, and to know the full expression of his life through us by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that he sent to dwell with us forever. uh, he sealed us until the day of redemption, until until this mortal body puts on immortality at the resurrection. As we have this struggle between the flesh and the spirit, the, the believer uh, ex- exceeds the law. As Jesus said, unless your righteousness is greater than the scribes and the Pharisees, who were great keepers of the law, then uh, you, you shall not uh, see or be a part of the, the kingdom of God, our Our power that has been given to us in the salvation of Jesus Christ makes us free. Do you not want to be free? Do you not want to know the freedom that's in Jesus Christ and the glory that's there in Jesus Christ? And should our hearts not long for it? Um, and I say yes, Lord, yes. But when it comes to watching and praying and 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 directing my attention and, and doing what Jesus did each morning before He would go out in service and ministry, sometimes in my fleshly nature I don't want to uh, expend myself to that time of prayer and to the needful time where I'm connected with the Lord Jesus because He's the vine and I'm the branch. And I need Him. And I need to feel that need. And so I want to ask that we may feel that need that God gives to us. That God's Spirit gives to us. Because He gives the desire both to will and to do in His people. And if we long for Him like we should long for Him and value the truth in His Word, we're going to spend time there. And the Holy Spirit's going to be there with us. And there's going to be life given by our Lord Jesus Christ, because it's what He came to do for His people. So let's long for it and love for it. Secondly, we boast in God's glory. And I already breached this this, uh, uh, idea and subject, but uh, from Romans 5, 2, through whom also we have obtained our access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Stand in God's grace. Stand in Christ my Savior. Stand in what God has done through Christ Jesus because He's the very expression of the glory of God. He's the very expression. And we boast in hope of God's glory being seen, being displayed in our lives as only God can do. So turn your heart. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your heart to your Lord God. Know that He's not only your Creator, but He's your Redeemer and He is your Savior. And understand that whatever challenges we have, that He's the answer. Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And if we're going to come to the Father, it's always through Him. It's always through our Lord Jesus. Always through the grace that we've been given access to. Always through that those uh, blessings in heavenly places that have been given to us in Christ Jesus, they're there as a storehouse, but they're accessed by faith in the grace that has been supplied. That spiritual storehouse that's spoken of in Ephesians uh, chapter uh, 2 there is, is, is sitting there in the bank for the believer. And it's accessed by faith in what God has given to us. And uh, so, what do we need to do? We need to grow in faith in the Lord God. Grow in in His grace by growing in faith. Access the storehouse. He's granted unto us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and it's there to be laid hold of. But it can only be laid hold not by keeping the law, but by faith. By faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in what He has done. For He is our Savior. And he deserves. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and all things are and were created for your purposes. And uh, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive uh, riches and glory and honor and power and wisdom and strength. It's all there. It's the storehouse of grace that we've been given access to by faith. I pray that we may lay hold of it as God's people. Here's some points that we'd make. God's power uh, works God's will through us. It's his power that gives to us his will. That's why the Lord Jesus uh, said that we're to watch and pray, to know his, his word and his will. But but what did Jesus say? The flesh is willing, but the spirit, uh, the, uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. It's always going to be weak. It's always going to be insufficient. It's always going to be in need of this grace that we now have access to through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thy will be done. Your Father's will is the most significant and important thing. And access into that will and that battle that takes place between our flesh and the spirit that God has placed within us is going to be there until the day of redemption, until this body of death, sin and death, is done away with and mortality puts on immortality and we receive a resurrection body. Until that day, there's going to be a battle in your life. And the more vigilant we are in regard to seeking by faith that access into that grace, the more uh, the, the further along we're going to move in the, in the sanctification process that God has given to us. God's power works God's will through us. And we need His will. You need to know Wherever you're at this morning, you need to know God's will. And the answer to the best solution is always through God's will. And let me tell you, the way of the cross is not easy. <clears throat> the way to God's will, to the greatest glory to the glory of God, to boasting in the glory of God, is not easy. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be tribulation. But it's worth it. And we must make the decision in our hearts that it's worth it. That it's worth it. The will of God and what He wants for our lives is far superior to to any decision that we make or any type of control that we have in directing our life. We need to know His word and we need for the Spirit of God to submit our flesh to the will of God in order to know the glory of God. So it's not human achievement with God's help. Let me just say this again. It's not a human achievement with God's help. This is hard force. This is one of the most difficult things because we're going to go and I'm going to do it again and I know that you're going to do it as well and we're going to go and we're going to pray, God, help me. Help me to achieve uh, whatever it is that my desire will is or whatever it is that my thinking is. Uh, I need your power. You help me. Uh, But it's more than that it's it's more than than uh, achievement of our success of activity or success in our 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 work or the deeds that we do uh, with God's help uh, we need to understand that it's God's power it's God's work it's his achievement in me not his help but his salvation his deliverance his work his power, His glory, through us, and that's—it's and it's a completely different mindset. But it's just—you know—it's just a little tweak of something that's true, and, and it is God helping us. He's our Savior, but it's not as we're often uh, condemned for, for being those that that have God as a crutch, you know, trying to live the Christian life with God's help by our own strength or by works. Human achievement will not achieve the glory of God. But faith and reliance in the power and the supernatural power of God and His work through us will certainly accomplish God's grace and God's power. So we pray for the power for service instead of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, And I just want to make this point because... The scripture tells us the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and uh, patience and uh, gentle, uh, kindness and goodness and um, um, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Um, and those things should exude from the believer uh, because the spirit of God, the spirit of our Lord Jesus is within us. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's a way to, to, to look at uh, your temperature as a believer. Uh, is, is the passion there? Is the fruit of God's spirit there? Is compassion and concern for other people there? Or is it self-focused? Is ego on the throne? Is it flesh? Is, are we trying to, to, uh, to serve, uh, to do the things that we do by the energy of the flesh? Uh, And we're often, for believers, we're exhausted. We're we're simply exhausted because we're constantly trying to do by the power or strength of the flesh what God intends to do uh, with that that fruit of His Spirit being in our our lives. There's love and joy and peace that, that should flow from the believer. It should be compassion that directs what we do. Uh, for others and and for our loved ones. And uh, that's the nature of Christ. He was completely unselfish, uh, completely uh, fo- otherly focused uh, by compassion. He was moved by compassion. How many times in the Gospels did we hear of Christ uh, walking by this person or that person? And the scripture says, and he was moved by compassion. He was moved to compassion for that person. He looked... He had uh, compassion and mercy, and he expressed the glory of God in miraculous ways. And he—he he was uh, that e- example, and that—that that, uh, he, he gave that taught us that truth of what it means to—to—to uh, to, to reach out and to work by the fruit of the spirit. And it's so significant for us. Romans five five says, "And hope does not disappoint." Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. The Holy Spirit's there. The love of God poured out into our hearts through our lives to others is the reason why Jesus uh, demonstrated and and taught his disciples, I am the vine and you're the branches. And, And the love for people... Uh, that that I have is to be displayed and poured out through you. Love out is poured into our hearts through Jesus Christ. You can't really know Him and, and not not love Him and not understand the the depth of the unselfishness for which He died on the cross for your sins and removed them uh, from your life. Okay, here's my, our passage. Here I, I don't know. I kind of got those. Uh, Uh, verses and uh, out of order but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and and faithfulness faithfulness uh, gentleness self-control such things against such thing there is no law god's holy spirit can do those things in our lives so love is the fulfillment of the law then and uh... I know that I'm jumping ahead, but I would take you to Romans chapter 13 here. Romans chapter 13. And Paul is uh, speaking later in the book, and he says, O no man, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. The fulfillment of the law Paul is teaching is in that great commandment. We're to love of the Lord our God and to love of our neighbor as ourselves. For this, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, um, it is summed up in this saying: "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. The establishment of the law of God in your life is going to be an inner transformational thing that the Spirit of God does within us. The love of God has been poured out by His Spirit. He gave to us His Spirit for these things, for the accomplishment of that purpose. You know why? Because we couldn't do it. Because we're in our fleshly nature, we're all basically self centered and self focused. And it requires the the grace of God and the spirit of God uh, to balance uh, life and the balance of life uh, as to to where uh, that expression of of the fulfillment of the law uh, in our life takes place. And um, so um, it's a a tremendous lesson from Romans chapter 13 uh, that we're not to owe anyone anything. Uh, but to, to express the love of Christ to them in our lives. We are to owe nothing, and we are to do no wrong to a neighbor. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Um, and then we come to the conversation, uh, uh, and I, I wanted to address these things because it is a uh, a thing that's a, a, certainly a challenge for me as a pastor, but I know it would be a a challenge for you as well. Uh, but our conversation should not be quarrelsome and not judgmental uh, with one another. Uh, and, and we see this, this type of thing uh, crop up in the church when different issues or different things come about. Um, but God tells us to, to strive for peace and peace is built around truth I certainly want to say that doesn't mean compromising god's truth and and it also doesn't mean that that uh when we're uh when god has has called us to uh, to serve others and to minister to others that we're not keeping priority in regard to okay, this is my family, and I have certain responsibilities here. And so these things have to balance out in regard to how we how we love one another and serve one another. <clears throat> and those priorities are given. The Lord Jesus as he, uh, as he walked uh, through life, it's interesting to me uh, uh, about his, his ministry in Israel uh, is that he would go up to the feast uh, like was required of the Jewish people uh, and on his way there would be, these uh, these two blind men sitting over here, and Jesus would recognize that this was uh, a providential uh, a, a work of the Father that the Father wanted him to do, and his his compassion moved him to express uh, service to to these two blind men. It said, "Cried out, Son of David, have mercy upon me, Son of David," and they kept crying out. And his disciples, you know, they were, they were going to, to Israel. And this is the way that I am, and I know that many of you are. Man, I'm going to Israel here. I'm going, this is, this is my task. This is the task that God has set before me. So I had to do my task. Uh, but, but Jesus, and, and this, is the, this is part of the work of the Spirit. You know, he moves us. Because there were a lot of other people that had needs, you see. But Jesus didn't meet all of those needs. He met the ones that God providentially brought to him, and by faith he embraced and, and recognized as the Father's. Isn't it amazing that the Son of God took upon himself the limitations of the human flesh? He won't, it won't be that way in the future when he, when he comes at his second coming, but while he was here, he demonstrated to us all of the limitations that we have. As in our in our humanity. He was tempted in all ways like as we we are. And so the Lord Jesus is great in his his mercies and he's and we need to go back, you know, and see. OK, what does Jesus do in this situation? Is this uh, one of those times where uh, I'm ta I need to be taken to the cross? and and selflessly put aside the direction that I think that I should go or the thing that I think that I should do and recognize that in the sovereignty and providence of God he wants me by faith to express his grace and his compassion to someone. So, But anyway, the conversation is not quarrelsome or judgmental. Uh, and the scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3.15 to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready... To make a defense, and that's apologia, apologetics. To, to make apologetics to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So it's, it's not contentious uh, intellectual convincing someone of our argument, but it's graceful gentleness and reverence in regard to truth. We have, have to realize the the value and the weight of truth, at times it's, I mean, we're, we're talking about very serious things here. And it's very easy for believers to, to get uh, um, in the energy of the flesh to be overly uh, zealous uh, for bashing someone and beating someone up with, with truth. And, and, but the scripture tells us the manner in which we're to do it is with gentleness and reverence. And I would like to ask you for, for, for your prayers for me as a pastor that I'm careful in regard to the speaking of God's truth to others. Uh, that I do, uh, do those things with um, uh, gentleness and reverence. Uh, and uh, yet I'm equipped and trying to be more equipped every day to, to. Uh, to make a defense for for the hope that's within us, that includes the the body and the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and the the things that He expressed to us in the the uh, great commission that we are to um, that we're to teach the nations all things that I have commanded you. well those that's the law again, so you know when and how do we do that? We do it with with gentleness. And reverence, but we make a offense. we're ready to make a offense. we're ready to give an argument and our speech needs to be seasoned with salt as we as we make those defenses for the truth of God's word. okay gentle uh, and then followed by reverent and uh, those two principles. and then second Timothy uh, two verses twenty four and twenty five, the Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. So okay, uh, I can't be. Hang on to that verse a, a, a minute there. Let's see. I can. I I need not be quarrelsome. I need to be kind. I need to be uh, uh, ready and and able to teach. Uh, Yeah, kindness there. And instructive, able to teach. And then patient. Patient with people. And and could we go back to the verse there? Uh, Thank you, yeah. At the end it says, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, What does that tell us? okay, you're not going to convince them. I'd like for you to pull this out of this verse. God may grant them repentance. You're not going to convince them, not by intellectual arguments, not by the best couched words or or terms. It's God that grants the the illumination of the truth. It's the, the work that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth in the life of the believer, a whole, uh, of the unbeliever. Uh, he convicts of sin, and of, of righteousness, and of the judgment to come. And if he doesn't do that, it doesn't matter how much work you do or what you do in the flesh or how well you speak and how much knowledge you have, you're not going to convince someone. God grants a person repentance. He must do that work because he's the one that is able to save. And, and we have to keep our mind on that truth and that reality. It is God that saves people. Evangelists don't save people. Preachers don't save people. Believers don't save people. God must grant them. He must bring them to that place of the reality of truth. And so if we could move on uh, at this point there. Then we'll go to uh, love abounds with the fruit of righteousness. I want to make this pass because I've... I've I've preached this passage before. I'm sure that all of you remember it. Um, Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And it 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 connects love with truth. You can't disconnect love with truth. If if love is disconnected with truth, it's not love. It's, it's simply... Uh, it's not... You can't define it as love in Scripture. Love must be... Connected with truth. You disconnect it with truth. There's, there's deceit there. Then it's not an expression of love. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. We need knowledge and we need discernment in regard to truth. If we're really going to love someone, then we need to to offer up that defense in gentleness and reverence uh, with... with um, with discernment and with knowledge. Knowledge from God. Knowledge of God's word. Knowledge of God's truth. And it's not love if it's disconnected. Regardless of, of what you're doing. If you're correcting your child and and, it's, it's, and that, uh, your, your love is, it, it must be connected with that truth. And, and they must be in concert together for the glory of God so that you may approve the things that are excellent. The approval of things that are excellent are what we're called to. In order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of the righteousness of God, which comes through Jesus Christ to his glory and praise. It's his glory. It's his praise. It's the Lord, our Lord Jesus. And our hearts should be moved. And, and, and our, our desire should be set to, to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do. We have this power in earthen vessels, this old clay pot earthen vessel. The power of God is within us. Uh, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. Don't you want to know the power and glory of God? It's with real knowledge and all discernment that we love people, that we speak truth to people Uh, with knowledge and discernment. It's uh, with the approval of excellent things. The approval of excellent things. Uh, And those excellent things are the Word of God. It's a treasure. They're the words of life. And with sincerity and blamelessness, Okay, that goes back to our inner character, the inner spirit with which we say and speak those things, and may it be by God's spirit and His power within us. Okay, we're sanctified by grace, just as we were justified by grace. I want to encourage you. I have a uh, this this wonderful slide. It's it's beautiful, isn't it? And especially like after the harvest festival, when we we saw this, but. But this is the, the nature of the child's trust in his, heavenly, in his Father and should be our trust in our Heavenly Father and that abandonment to what his will is, uh, to what his, his direction is. Uh, and, and he calls us to leap into his arms. To the arms underneath are the arms of his loving kindness. He's there to capture us. He's there to catch us. He's our refuge and our strength and our salvation. And I have another verse for you here: "The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are His everlasting arms." Not a sweet verse, uh, isn't it? A beautiful thing uh, that we may know that when we uh, we throw ourselves, cast ourselves into the arms of our heavenly Father, uh, that He's definitely going to catch you. And there should be no doubt in our heart of his mercies, his loving kindness to us, and what he plans and intends to do uh, in and with and and for and and through us as his people. We come now to the Lord's Supper. If you would prepare your hearts. I want to just uh, ask you to, um, uh, if you would, to to bow your heads. and I'm going to ask the men to come forward. And uh, it's it's important that we we come in purity. There may be uh, sins or uh, things in your life that you need to confess before God. Uh, The Scripture says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sufficient for the sins that you may be bringing into this congregation this morning is God's grace to not only to forgive but to cleanse you from unrighteousness. And so we can call by faith upon the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's our intercessor, who made propitiation for all of our sins, for his forgiveness. So take a moment in your heart and, um, and pray for these things.